Are we live? At this point, I should be live. It's actually a recording. People deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning back in each and every time. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast, the DG Podcast, the Really and Truly Podcast. I thought I would try something different. Um, I'm doing it the exact way I am, but I thought, you know what, a lot of people like to, you know, listen to podcasts. Obviously, his voice has the majority of the reason it's a podcast, but a lot of you like to see it physically. And I thought, you know what? Let me see. Let me try a thing. Obviously, I typically just, you know, the audio thing is just me talking into Audacity and using my mic and whatnot. But I thought, you know what? We use StreamYard to live stream. We might as well use it to make a podcast just so I can give something for everybody. You know, one love to everybody listening on Spotify and them things there. Um, you're probably listening to it first. One love to my freeloaders on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribing and following. Obviously, make sure you're following up Spotify. Now, obviously... We'll probably indirectly talk about Arsenal, but as you know, we typically review the Premier League fixtures. Boy, do I even want to do that? So let's just, you know, let's address the elephant in the room. Let's start with my club, Arsenal. Now, we lost 2-0 to Chelsea. For Chelsea, six points on the board, two clean sheets, you know. If you can call Arsenal a big game anymore, it's a big game. It's a game where, like Palace, they didn't have to be at 100%. They've got no injuries, and I'm sure they're they're raring to go and send out a statement Um in relation to playing Liverpool. And Liverpool are going to likewise do the same, really. You know, Chelsea's a team I expect to obviously challenge for the Champions League because they've won it, challenge to qualify for the Champions League, challenge for the league title. And, you know, I still think in comparison to City using them as the guide point because they've won it, Chelsea still need to be killers in front of goal. Despite the fact that they scored two against us, they really allowed us, not that we took them, but they, they probably allowed us one or two many chances that if we were a half-decent side, we could have taken advantage. If the penalty is given, you know, if we make more of a, uh, if we if we had more patterns of play and and whatnot in the box we might have made something that you know is spots are not facts but when you factor that in with obviously the game against Villarreal for Chelsea in the Super Cup they need to kill games other than that Chelsea was superb they didn't have to be at much to beat us you know with all due in the same way I keep saying it we didn't see why Brentford got promoted to the Premier League we didn't see why Chelsea won the Champions League that's no fault of theirs they they you know they listened to their gaffer they had their game plan they exploited the weaknesses and and shortcomings that Arsenal have you know and they did and they were superb at that you know Lukaku's off the mark who knows what his Chelsea career second time coming will say what we do know is that where and who knows when and how it will end but we all know it began against against Arsenal with a goal you know Chelsea were good man you know the we couldn't cope with you know we just on top of just being naive and and, and not lacking street smartness you know we had sixes and sevens defensively you know one minute it's looking like a back three, then it's looking like a back four. It looks like a four for the majority where you have to... I know we beat Chelsea in this game um, with a back four, but, you, you know, just because you beat them in one game doesn't mean you can keep doing the same one and done. I would have thought, considering the injuries, considering players missing, considering, you know, you have to retain some sort of confidence it should have been damage limitation. We should have changed to a back three against Brentford. We should have went with a back three against Chelsea. Now, granted, we would have still been terrible, but at least there would have been more clarity. You know, we've got a back four. We're shaky as a back three as it is, but a back four, at least you can pass Lukaku over. You get the, you know, Lukaku's a terrific player. You know, I, you know, I'm jealous of Rudiger and Lukaku in particular, just because I get... They're good players, but it's just the mentality. You know, Rudiger wants clean sheets, wants to do well. Lukaku wants to score goals. Like, even for Lukaku's goal, he simply wants to... It's fantastic from Reese James. And again, I don't want to go over the same tactical things, but we gave Reese James too much space. You can't afford to do that against one of the best fullbacks in the league. Even before the goal and assist, him, Mount, they exploited that left-hand side. Um, 
Lukaku simply wanted to score more than Marie wanted to keep a clean sheet, you know. First bit of physical contact, Marie's holding his face and whatnot. Lukaku's just running through on goal. It's these sort of cheap miscomings that I have a problem with Arsenal. If you care about your face and things like that, go be a model. I've seen centre-halves that Lukaku will do that to you, but they won't give it up, you know. Lukaku will have to bundle them into the goal as well. I didn't see none of that. You know, Tini and Saka let us down, but again, they're typically players who are up for it. And again, you know, they're probably overcompensating because of what the managers told them. When you see Saka very narrow, clearly Tini doesn't trust Marie and thinks he's exposed. So he's overcovering to the point where he's not doing his job. He's not able to look at his runner. Saka isn't coming back. They're not talking between each other. Reese James is able to exploit that. I would have thought with a back three, we could have got tighter to Lukaku. Someone gets tight, someone covers, you know, three are better than one. I don't know what arrogance we thought we could come with with Lukaku having simply Marie on him. I don't know what we thought we was going to do. You know, it's, in the same way, it's like I don't think we watch Brentford or know anything about Ivan Tony. You can't have watched Lukaku, you know. Lukaku's been around for years. You know the man scores goals. You know he's aggressive. You know once he gets running, he's like an NFL linebacker. It's a myth, you know. You know his general plays improve. You know he's primarily in that Chelsea team to score goals. But he's also there for general play, to be that physical hold-up guy, kind of what Giroud was doing for France for the more technical players. So if you win the first against Lukaku, you need to compete for the second. If you compete for the, if you miss out for the first, you need to win. You know, if you miss out the second, you need to win the first. And I wasn't seeing that. We weren't prepared to win our first and second battles. Fullbacks weren't prepared to win their battles against wingbacks. Midfielders didn't want to win their battles. Again, I didn't know what was going on. Martinelli tried, but again, whether it's Martinelli, Balogun, Lacazette, Aubameyang, our strikers are starving. You know, it was a more positive game in that it wasn't a cricket score that we are historically accustomed with Chelsea. You know, it isn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as we thought, but we need to turn from, you know, we need to stop finding positives based on how crap Arsenal was or our expectation and judge it on, is this looking like a team that can get Europe? It's a shameful one. Definitely in the start of the season, if there was a game plan and things, you could, you could, you could fund yourself with that. You could, you could, you could find comfort in that really and truly. You can't, you know, and for me, I would feel embarrassed, you know, big up Thomas Tuchel and Lukaku because again, individuals that want to be serious. Lukaku, what did he say? Dominance when spoke about them centre-halves. You centre-halves should feel like ish because that was someone that focused all week on wanting to do exactly what he did. Comprehensive, Tuchel said. That was someone that worked on something in the training ground, you know. Arteta is very reactive. You know, the left-hand side, there were warning signs. Like I said, before Reese James um, got a goal or an assist, there was warning signs and the players need to rectify that. I don't, I, And they didn't. I don't know what sort of arrogance. I know we're typically stronger on the left-hand side. I, I assume he must have fought with T&E helping him, you know, with T&E, with Xhaka peeling over to that side, with Saka slightly further forward. We might have had enough to mitigate against the fact of Lukaku. But extremely naive defensive performance and again just cheap mistakes self-employment one love to Chelsea they did their job but what is becoming frustration with Arsenal is that you know as a football fan you, we should just be sitting there and saying my word look how good Lukaku is that's why he's a household name that's why he costs 90 million look how good Chelsea are that's why they won Champions League both of them statements are true but we never saw the, the caper Chelsea weren't pushed to their maximum because we weren't at their maximum our maximum Brentford weren't and I very much doubt you know West Brom West Brom tomorrow won't be and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not a hopeful on City. Now, again, such is life. You know, there's always a chance to go again. But the less said about Arsenal Football Club, the better. It's not worth it. Like, it really isn't worth it. 
You know, we're at that point now where there's the pressure. You're not even going to get praise. Bro, Chelsea can't get praise for beating Arsenal. Never can't get praise for beating Arsenal. Everyone looks at Arsenal as lunch meat, as victims, as three points on the board. And rightly so. You man are playing like victims, behaving like victims. People are feeling sorry for themselves. People are defenders are not dedicated to their craft. Midfielders and strikers are not dedicated to their craft. Like I said, when you hear Lukaku, Rüdiger, even Jorginho, the way they speak, that's serious mindset and new signings, new manager, you know, new owner, all these things are the same, are, are needed, but the mentality, you don't have to want to earn your stripes, you want to have to do the dirty work, you know, Chelsea want to do the dirty work, they're set up very well defensively, if you're not set up well defensively, how can you counter-attack or counter-press? It doesn't make sense, I'm sure not, I'm sure some of Thomas Tuchel's tactics, quite frankly, are boring, mundane and draining, but they understand you can't always do things you like, this is a means to an end, it seems like Arsenal, there's a couple components in relation to football where more on they're not and we just disrespect the art of defending we disrespect the art of simply fucking turning up you know that's our first game of the season against you know off the back against the European champions off the backdrop of a woeful home home record last year the less said on Arsenal the better in it like I said I like to focus on neutral content and obviously indirectly Arsenal falls into that because the Premier League but but hey there's no point wasting any wasting any breath on this football club again man because Bro, it's not even it's not worth it. It's 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 literally it's literally not worth it. It isn't worth it, man. So moving away from that, as I said, Chelsea two, Arsenal nil. You know, Tottenham Hotspur also got six points on the board. Deli Ali brought down in the box, scored his penalty, you know, does what they need to do. You know, Harry Kane got some minutes. Adama Traore might have got Wolves back in the game, but he didn't. And ironically, Adama's linked with Wolves. Spurs one, Wolves nil, as I said. Big result for Southampton, 1-1. To be fair with you, they should feel aggrieved that his two points dropped. I'm a big fan of Mason Greenwood. I think he had a good game and I think he's going to have a good season. Or at least I hope he does because I think that man is with the Sackers and the Foldens and all of these guys that, pardon me, people, should be building the team around probably really and truly if you want to see it real, see anything. And yeah, he scored an equaliser and Pogba was amazing yet again. Technically gets an assist. But yeah, man, Fred got, you know, Fred got an... Got an own goal, but United can consider themselves lucky. At the end of the day, four points isn't the worst. It could, it could have been, it could have been worse if the hair didn't make a good save. Is it a good save or is it um, Adam Armstrong not being able to finish in that incident? I don't know. St Mary's for me is a tough ground to go with, and clearly it is for United. And you know, unlike Arsenal, you know, Southampton they turned up, they were physical. You know, they tried to match United. Obviously, I, I think it was a bit of a weird one because when I looked at them, they looked nervous and confident at the same time. Like you know, dead ball situations marking in the box there was heart and mouth moments you know Timo Livermento had a good game you know fantastic bit of strength one when he shaked off Fred and couldn't quite pick out a man in the box um, you know Selislu there was a lot of goal line clearances and heart and mouth moments and all of these sort of things people so yeah man this is this is what happens when you apply yourself the minimum Southampton did is apply themselves all week and turn up you know by logic look at the money United have spent and this is me kind of going back to the Arsenal point by that logic, you know, they should walk the park with them, but they made it difficult for, for United. You know, it was a very, you know, again, I don't know how big the United, the Southampton pitches, sorry, but it appeared very narrow, very compact, very congested. Again, they doubled down on what they're good at, tried to maximise their strengths and just mitigate against against um, United, sorry. You know, again, basic game plan. There were a couple of shaky moments. I did think Maguire was going to be in trouble in the game. You know, Pogba, some lovely passes. Who did he pick out? 
You know, Martial probably should have done better with his header where it's cleared off the line. But there was one lovely... I don't even remember who... It might have been Greenwood. I don't even know. I don't. They didn't score or do anything with it. It, must, it might have been Martial. I could be wrong. Outside of the boot, you know, Pogba's having a good season. And, you know, such is life, you know. Free turning to a free agent on paper, having a good season. Hopefully, it correlates to Gary PSG or something. But with them allegedly getting Camavinga, I don't know. I mean, a confident Pogba is a happy Pogba. And at this moment in time, United are from keeping him happy. They're finding balance and you're getting what you're getting. Obviously, the question is, can he keep going? Obviously, the one thing that scares me is, obviously, you know, some people out there don't like to see Pogba getting praised. So the minute United lose or sat in shaky, we all know he's to blame for everything. Um, you know, I'm not too sure, you know, Solskjaer has done well to find balance initially in his team. You know, Martial got a look in. He didn't really take his chance. Greenwood got an education on the right again. And obviously, they've got Pogba in real time drifting inside and that, but operating off that left to obviously get Bruno in the team. And then you've got to find balance with Matic and Fred. I don't think it's the most balanced of foundations. I personally think United, ideally, in an ideal world, they should be looking to replace those two in Fred and Matic. And even when McTominay's there, obviously, some man could be part of the squad because it kills their build-up play, you know. again. Many people are talking about the fact that Fred and Matic are both left-footed and it was affecting them, which is probably, you know, there is some degree, but neither can really progress the passes. You know, Fred is quite basic. Matic, that's not a strength of his. Bruno is quite indisciplined, as you saw for Portugal. It works for United because they're doubling down on him, but he's not currently mature enough or sensible enough to play a more withdrawn role or to, do, you know, you have to double down on his strengths. He'll muck in defensively, but you know what you're getting with Bruno. And, you know, the only way to, to kind of get the best out of Bruno and get the best out of Pogba is probably at this moment in time off that left-hand side in real-time narrow. Obviously, Pogba can play in either of where Fred and Matic played, but then... It's an interesting one because you kind of rob you rob Pogba, you know, you, you you get a very good player for the collective, but you rob Pogba potentially what he can do individually. Obviously, like you've seen for France, there's been little dibbles and dabbles. He shows his quality, but you know he has more responsibility, sort of thing, defensively and all right, right, taking tick, um, ticking the the game over for the team. So I can understand it. You know, again, for me, I'd play Pogba in that pivot all day because I don't think they've got better to do it with, but. You know, I understand why he's off that off that left because you kind of want Pogba further forward. He gives you a lot when he's. I wouldn't say he's roaming, but there's more of a mandate to connect with Bruno again. Generally, over in general, but these last two games, not that it's been anything to cry about. But sometimes when Bruno and Pogba in particular have linked up, it's been crazy. As I said, you know, for me, the best player in that team, I know, is Pogba, but it's Greenwood for me. You know, it's unfortunate about the shirt he wears. Um, credit to credit to Livermento. Like I said, you know, he left Chelsea. Such is life at Chelsea. The difficulty. You're playing Premier League football and it's unfortunate because you've got a bag of right backs in England and obviously Trent and uh, what's the other face? Trent and well, I'm forgetting his name now, so he can't be that good now I'm playing. Trent and Reese James had a great weekend and, you know, for some reason Southgate's acting over, over Trent, but you never know what could happen, Livermento, when you keep doing your job other people might get interested. And I'm not too sure of where the origins of the name Livermento originates from, but there must be one or two other nations involved in that sort of thing. So, yeah, Southampton were decent. Brighton dealt with Watford. And I'm scared of the, the trip to Brighton because, um, yes, yeah, Arsenal-Brighton, that scares you definitely at, the, uh, at, at their place. You know, Watford were caught cold, people. 2-0 Brighton. You know, Duffy's having a good start to the season. Good, good header from a set piece. Mupe scored. Good finish and sent the keeper the, the, with the eyes after obviously Basuma snapping at the heels. How Arsenal haven't got Basuma, I can't understand because he improves our midfield. I, I would and, and away from that, 
surely Liverpool should take a chance on Basuma. I know he's not directly a Wijnaldum replacement, but yeah, and you know, I love Basuma. Obviously, you know, we all saw him the interception for I believe technically the second goal. It was it was it was very good. And you know, Brighton got two wins from two, and I'm sure Graham Potter will be happy. He's got a clean sheet. You know, two nil, three shots on target, thirteen shots. Maybe could be a bit more clinical, but that's two, you know that's six points on the board. And Brighton kind of. Had a topsy turvy season last year. They've started in a better in a better fashion. Commiserations to Norwich, you know, again. But Manchester City ran riot, you know. Again, I'm sure Grealish was was wants to score more glamorous goals, but it doesn't matter as long as they go in. Grealish got his debut goal. Raheem Sterling, Gaza man off the bench, bagged as well. You know the thing, you know. To see Damari Gray doing well, to see Antonio doing well, Ethan Pinnock doing well, Bobby Reed in the Championship doing his thing, Raphael Morrison at Derby. I'm loving what I'm seeing from the JA Tugs. Hopefully, in 2020 World Cup qualifiers, we can do a thing. But in relation to this game. What can I say? It's 5-0, you know. Clean sheet, five goals, City ran riot, you know. All is forgotten after losing their first game, I guess. But as you lot can see here, you know, Grealish, Laporte, Sterling, Mares Again, that Mares goal, what was it? Ruben Diaz clipped a ball over the top, you know. It must be nice, you know. I, we've got City next. But hey, their centre-halves are better playmakers and better goal scorers, you know, with Laporte um, scoring and Ruben Diaz getting assists Then people who are paid to create. You know, as I said, Grealish, Sterling, Mares, Laporte, Cruel, they all ran riot. They all did their thing. It is what it is, man. Four shots on four shots on target, though, from City. Five goals. Obviously, one was an own goal. 16 shots. It was, one side, it was a one-sided affair. There was some early scares, I felt, but they were quickly put to bed. Um... You know, you had Liverpool against Burnley again. I know there's been a lot of critics from, you know, Klopp has, has kind of referred to um, Burnley as wrestlers and and uh, what's his face? Um, I forgot his name now. What's the gaffer's name? Sean Dyche has taken exception. But I mean, I'm not being funny. That's what you man are on. You know, he's name dropped individuals, but that's what you man are on. Ashley Barnes is always choke slamming people. He's trying to choke. He's trying to choke slam Yotter in that. What do we what do we expect really and truly? Like, it, it, it's, it's not making... A world of a world of sense. If I'm completely honest with you, really and truly, you know, it really, it really isn't making anything. I understand that it seems to have frozen for a second, people. My, my the video, so I apologize, but we have to keep going. This is jarring, isn't it? Apologies, folks. We're having some technical difficulties. Let's close the browser and restart. So apologies, folks. No clue what happened there. You try to do a new thing and things F up. But yeah, man, I need to reopen a closed tab because we were speaking, as I said, about Sean Dyche's comments. But as I was saying, how can you be vexed? That's what you tell your team to do. They're not going to be choke slamming and doing the mad thing at set pieces, which I don't think there's anything wrong. 100% you should double down on what you're actually good at um, versus, you know, you can't bop Liverpool off the, off the park. You know, there was, it, to be fair, the game was closer in some stages early on than people thought. Liverpool haven't been perfect across the whole 90 minutes against Norwich or against Burnley. Couldn't handle it when, when they got going. I know Salah was denied by 
by VAR. I'm quite annoyed my FPL team didn't get any points. Um, but I don't think, you know, Sean Dice can't complain. Apparently, Sean Dice has criticised Jurgen Klopp for singling out individual players when complaining about Burnley's challenges. What do you expect him to do? You know, what do you expect him? Apparently, Klopp said 100%, um, said he was not 100% sure if, if we are really going in the right direction with these kind of decisions. He said, I think my main disappointment actually is not a view of the game. I think every manager, every coach, every pundit, every fan has a view of the game. My disappointment is he's this is this is Sean Dice. He is name checking players. There's absolutely no need for that. We have professional footballers who have worked very, very hard in their careers to get to where they've got to. The implication of them being on toward in some of their challenges, I think is wrong and I think it's inappropriate. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, I mean, this is this is how you know he's got some, you know, he struck a nerve with Sean Dykes because it's coming from a place of truth. Nobody criticised the journey Ash, um, Ashley Barnes or, or Chris Wood and all of these people came on as being a footballer. He said, you man are moving like wrestlers and you are. When you're seeing people grabbing Yotta's neck, what can he say? You know, if you don't do it, there's not an issue. You're only upset because the truth stings, man. We all know Burnley are not a football club. To be fair with you, they're being linked with Maxwell Cornet for 15 million. He said, my overall view would be, I'm not worried about protection of players because I think players get protected to a level that is unbelievable in my history of the game. And rightly so in some cases, I must say. I don't think that's the truth when you're an Arsenal fan. And some of the challenges, you look at Trent on Saka a couple of years ago. You look, you know, there's been a couple of nasty tackles. And I'm not saying Trent's a nasty person. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the case either. And I think Brack Burnley actually get away with a lot, really, considering a lot of what's said. But he said, my worry is that he's questioning a team that shouldn't do everything they can to win a game within the laws, which we clearly did because there wasn't a single card. He's not saying you shouldn't. I'm sure to a degree to some team, Liverpool are a dirty player, but he can only speak on his chiefs and he's he's fully right. He is fully right. You're just upset because you know your team's on wrestling, you know. On Klopp's suggestion that fans should watch wrestling if you like these sort of things, he said that's up to him. His comments are what they are. That's not up to me. People can use whatever wish they, whatever words they wish to describe whatever they wish and see fit to do such. And obviously Armstrong of Southampton, you know, allegedly Southampton also came into criticism um, against Man United. I did think they were physical. I don't think quite to the Burnley standard. And I think, what do you expect these teams to even? I'm not even vexed with Burnley. I'm just vexed because South, what we've shown that, bro, you know, it's true. Stop getting up, stop crying about what you're telling your team to do. What do I expect? If I know I have 11 sets of players, you've got 11 sets of players, your players come from Lamasia, Total Football of Ajax, you know, Arsene Wenger's Wenger Ball, they're able to do that. And my players are, with respect, pub players, journeymen, not really technical like that. We're not going to try and bop you off the field. We're going to maximise set pieces, maximise headers, maximise any areas we can. We're going to make it difficult. You know, that's what you do against technical footballers. See how good they are mentally. See how they react to getting a foul. And obviously, for me, with the fans being back, I can't blame Burnley or Southampton or any of these clubs for that because fans get behind this and fans feed off your energy. You feed off fans' energy. The 12th man, you know, Burnley, we were, I mean, Brentford, sorry, we were poor off our own back Arsenal. But that, that 12th man, we weren't prepared for, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know. Obviously, Oli Golasolsha suggested after the game that um, rules the rules must not change into rugby. He said, I think that's what football is about. It's a contact sport. So you've just got to keep going when you've come up against physical teams and that's how you deal with it. That's also true. But again, I do think, you know, it is a bit unsavoury when I'm seeing what Burnley are doing at set pieces. But anyways, Liverpool got the last laugh because they rattled their um, Burnley manager. Can't wait till Burnley go down. They rattled the Burnley manager. They've kept a clean sheet. Jota gets the last laugh because he scored. And obviously, Mane scored in the 69th minute, so they go marching on. You know, that the move, you know, some of Van Dyke's passes are a joke, but the move, I can't even remember which goal. I think it's the second, but I think Van Dyke plays a pass, Salah's involved, 
Harvey Elliott, you had a good games involved. Maybe Trent ends up getting the assist and then Mane slaps it in, really. You know, so I'm not too sure on, on who got it, but that was a good game for what it's worth, man. Aston Villa defeated Newcastle two goals to nil. You know, what a goal from Danny Ings. Big up to him for saving my fantasy league, but what a goal from Danny Ings. Um, El Ghazi scored as well, made it 2-2-2-0. Two, two, two for Newcastle, it's not going well. Joe Willett might have to come out of my fantasy team. You know, Crystal Palace have their first points for the season. Brentford have made a good start to the season with four points. You know, in another London derby, share of the spoils between both teams in Crystal Palace and Brentford. I think Gallagher had a good game for Crystal Palace. But, I mean, if they're looking at him to create, they're going to be in problems. Probably the game of the week for me was between Leeds and Everton. You know, I thought Damari Gray and Townsend were going to be flops of the Premier League. And it's like Damari Gray's taking that message from me personally. He had a good game in the first Everton game. He obviously bagged. Terrible knee slide from him, though. Again, big up the fantasy FPL guys, you know. Dominic Calvert-Lewin doing what he can for my team from the penalty spot. Rafinha is a good player and it seems like a lot of interest has gone away from him. Scored a decent finish. Him and Klitsch obviously scored. Rafinha shared a point of the spoils for Leeds. And yeah, it was a good game really and truly. Leeds 2, Everton 2, as I just said, it was quite a good game. It was a fantastic tactical matchup with obviously the 3 slash 5 at the back from Leeds and what you're seeing with Rafa Benitez and things like that. And yeah, man, like I said, you know, to see Moise Keane off the bench, I know he wanted to leave the club and whatnot. He's still there. So it's a bit of an interesting one. And then obviously last night, 10-man Leicester, you know, Ayose Perez, I can't lie. I don't think that's a pen, man. I mean, a, a red card, sorry. I don't think that's a pen. I think Saka should have a penalty. I can't understand some of these refereeing decisions. You know, Ben Rama, I don't know what he's been doing in pre-season, but he started on fire. For Nows was a man possessed yesterday. One love to Mikel Antonio. Obviously, he's he's become a record holder as well um, after, obviously, bagging two. I think he's overtaking the Canio in West Ham's Premier League goal scoring things. In fact, what I actually, I can actually look at the specifics, you know, big up to Mikel Antonio. Um, let's actually see specifically what the record is because I'm a bit ignorant to it, people. Um, it's a night to remember. You saw, you we all watched it. You saw the crazy celebration. You know, Mikel Antonio stands alone at the top of the list of West Ham Premier League goal scorers, people. You know, he scored his 49th top flight goal for the Hammers. And when you look at him, he's on 49. The Canio's on 47. Mark Noble's on 46. 41 Carton Cole. So again, you know, Lampard's on 24. Tony Cotty's on 23. So again, some of these names, Canu, A, Hartson, Carroll, Trevor Sinclair, some of these guys are held in very good high regard by West Ham. So it's a fantastic one for Mikel Antonio and he's been a good signing for them. It's a shame he's not a, a couple of shades younger or people might be onto him. He's 31. It's now or never. And, you know, I wonder what he'll end with, man. You know, you'd imagine he gets close to 60, surely. You know, 60-something at least. I don't quite think he'll break 70 times probably against him, but you never know what could happen really and truly. But yeah, man, the last two goals in particular West Ham scored were very good. Obviously, Telemann saved a bit of face. You know, Siyunchu with a night to forget really um, typically, but especially after that, you know, that, that lazy pass which led to a goal. It was an L for many, many a reason, people, but... Yeah, it's unfortunate what's going on in the Premier League, people. As I said already, you know, to recap the score lines once again, you know, Liverpool 2, Burnley 0, Everton 2, Newcastle 0, 0-0 between Palace and Brentford, 2-2 between Leeds and Everton. City ran riot and won 5-0 against Norwich. Brighton won 2-0 against Watford. Southampton won. Manchester United won. Tottenham Hotspur won. Wolves 0. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 0. 
West Ham United 4, Leicester City 1, people. And we'll deal with the games to come on on, on Friday um, for the next edition of the DG Podcast. Again, I want to leave that till then because we've got Man City versus Arsenal. I definitely want to talk about it at the start of the week, folks. So it is what it is in that regard. Now, any of you that watch um, French football and things, I'm sure you saw the crazy scenes between Marseille and Nice when the game was abandoned. You see an assistant from Marseille bang a, a fan. Fans have been were grabbing up Guendouzi and whatnot. Payet was struck with something and threw something back. Unsavourable scenes. And you saw in the last couple of hours, you know, the last day really, you know, there's been a meeting between the two sides, meeting with the French League. Apparently, Nice have been ordered to play a number of games behind closed doors. You'd probably imagine there's sanctions as well. I'm not sure if Payet, despite being provoked will face any discipline but it was really it is kind of a dark day where Nice are concerned people you know they're you know the south stand that their Riviera 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 stadium is to be closed for four games obviously after the crowd trouble folks which is an issue in that regard so make of that what you will um you know away away from that oh Away from away from that, folks. Apparently, Liverpool won't release Mo Salah for Egypt's upcoming World Cup qualifier against Angola due to due to concerns over COVID quarantine restrictions. People, Egypt is on the United Kingdom's red list, and under current laws, Salah would would need to stay in a hotel for ten days on return to the country, which obviously would mean he wouldn't be able to play against Leeds. So, it's, you know, Salah's not the first. You're going to see a lot of those sort of things, people. Um, on the topic of Liverpool, you've actually seen Shakiri has left Liverpool and joined Lyon for 9.5 million. Ben White has joined... Ben White, I'm going to say Ben White. Ben Woodburn, sorry, has joined Hearts on loan. Um, where, 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 where... Um, where transfers are concerned, you know, he's been linked with with uh, with a loan move for the best part of a year. Manchester United's Brandon Williams has obviously joined Norwich City on loan. He joins, obviously, Billy Gilmore, and I think they've got a next man on loan. Um, I've spoke about it in a live stream, and I'll probably cover it again at 11.30, but allegedly, you know, Arsenal and... Brazilian side Corinthians are in talks over a free transfer of them getting Williams. So that would be fantastic. That's as big as bringing in a player. You know, I'd love for this guy to fuck off, especially after he's liking Instagram posts and rubbing out Arsenal. But it is what it is. He didn't put a gun to no one's head to sign for this club. He didn't put a gun to his head for the deal he's getting. So he's really the joke. Um, as you look, no, Everton are having to eat an L, you know, exciting 17-year-old left-back and slash left-winger. He can play in both roles. Um, I think he's a future left-back. Terry Small, Thierry Small, better yet, you know, um, is training in Birmingham right now, doing one-to-one sessions because, he, you know, he, he's left Everton. He's, he's cancelled his contract, his two-year scholar. Allegedly, he's close to signing for Southampton. Now, what a signing that would be for Southampton, getting Levermento and him. And for me, you know, I think that's a good move because I'd be saying, listen, Terry, you're inexperienced. You're going to have to wait. But, you know, so was Levermento of Chelsea. He's played in two Premier League games at the start of the season, and you look at you look at Southampton. That is, a, you know, they're they're giving people chances. Hassan Hutu made some big decisions in defence. Fantastic move, you know. Obviously, Everton are due to a fat chunk of compensation, so I'm I'm keen to see the ending fee on what that will actually be saying, people. But that's an interesting one. Um, in relation to contract business as well, I mean transfers. We might as well see what's going on. In the transfer world, I heard um, Sane got booed for for Bayern Munich as well, which is unfortunate. But no one told you to sign for them. You know he's been playing poor allegedly. Um, let's go and look at some of the transfer speculation and all these things and see what's going on. You know Harry Kane is still linked with City. Talk about cutting it, cutting it fine, and it's going down to the wire. Apparently Gary Neville has urged Manchester United to move for Harry Kane. Fair play. 
Apparently, Tottenham want to sign Adama Traore. Adama Traore is definitely someone Spurs are looking at. Of course, Nuno Espirito Santo knows him very well from his time at Wolves. And I'm also told the managing director likes him a lot. Um, this is all on, on Sky Sports' page, people. I mean, apparently there's talk about Spurs looking at a loan deal for Traore with an obligation to buy just to spread the payments out. Would would Wolves accept that? I'm not sure. I mean, Wolves are eating a hell in it. They should have just taken their money. Um, Ian Carlo Pandeva has left Leeds and joined Blackburn on loan. And I mean, considering what they did with Harvey Elliott, that might be a good place for you. Um, Manchester City mid um, winger, sorry, Morgan Rogers has left. Um, has left Manchester City and joined Bournemouth on a season-long loan. Apparently, the deal for the 19-year-old also includes an option to make it permanent. As you don't know, he joined um, Manchester United, Manchester City. Apologies from West Brom in 2019, people, and I think he's yet to make his official debut. I could be wrong there, but yeah, he he played for he played a key part for Lincoln last year and obviously got to the playoff final and whatnot. So. It is what it is. Um, you know, you remember all remember Daniel Jebison who made his debut for Sheffield United and became the youngest player to score in his first Premier League start, showing Bruce how to do it. Apparently, Everton are one of three clubs interested in signing the 18-year-old forward who is valued at more than five million quid. As I've already said, Arsenal allegedly chatting to Corinthians in relation to William. By God's grace, he Fs off out of this club. Kylian Mbappe allegedly still favours a move to PSG, but apparently there's been an offer from an unnamed English club. Now, if that offer is suitable, I don't have a clue. That's just what's been said. Cornet seems to be moving closer to leaving Lyon and joining Burnley. Apparently, he's got a wish of playing in the Premier League. Allegedly, Manchester City are trying to sign club icons. Um what Manchester City are trying to do is extraordinary. They're not just looking to buy great players. They're trying to buy icons of the clubs. When people think about Villa, they think about Grealish. And when Man City signed him, when people talk about Spurs, they think of Harry Kane. Fair play. Apparently, you know, Sky Sports have said, having spoken to one of the top agents in the game and the information he had, he said 100% Kane is leaving Spurs and will go to Man City. But Man City have to get serious and make a bid of over 150 million. If he's worth that, I don't know. In relation to Arsenal, Crystal Palace are interested in, in Eddie Nketiah, who we need to sell because he can sign, he can agree a deal for, to foreign clubs in January and leave for free next season. Torreira seems like he's um, edging ever closer to joining Florentino. Allegedly, there's an option to buy him for 12.8 million. So, yeah, outgoings are vital with Arsenal, really and truly, if I'm completely honest with you. Is there any other significant transfer news? It doesn't appear so, people, really. Let me look at some other websites, really. We know um, Cristiano Ronaldo's been linked with a move away from Juventus. Allegri has quashed those rumours. Dead flat. Me actually see people. Let's go on the other transfer news because it doesn't feel like we've got a lot, a lot to work in. Apparently, Arsenal are willing to listen to offers for Aubameyang again, willing to li listen, but somebody's got an offer. Arteta has five games to save his job. You know, hopefully he can. If not, you've got to pay the price. Arsenal are looking at Kieran Trippier and Antonio Conte. Apparently, Tottenham have opened talks with Juventus over a move for United States midfielder Weston McKenney. Chelsea are considering a late loan move for Atletico Madrid midfielder and mid and Spain midfielder Sao Niguez. Um, Declan Rice plans to turn down any offers of a new contract from West Ham as the 22-year-old feels he's being priced out of a move. He's still got three years left to go on this deal. And West Ham have the option of extending it by a further year. So he's firmly still got that death row contract. 
Chelsea are hopeful of signing French defender Jules Conde from Seville, with the 22-year-old said to have a £77 million release clause. Apparently, he's agreed personal terms, but out of respect for you um, for Seville, he's not going to force the bolt, but he very much does want the move. So it's down to the clubs to obviously move. Apparently, West Ham are still interested in Kurt Zuma. It's just personal terms that need to be agreed. Apparently, Camavinga prefers a move to PSG over Manchester United, folks. Um, so it is, it is what it is. Wolves are ready to make a £7, seven million pound bid to sign 29-year-old Cardiff City striker Moore, who obviously played for Wales at the Euros. I mean, you know, what? why did they let... I'm not familiar with Wolves and everything's going on, but what happened with Rafa Mir? He had a good season in La Liga last year. They've sold him for decent money to Sevilla, I'm sure. But, you know, they should have given him a chance, really. Apparently... Phil Jones is ready to consider a loan move to a championship club. Maybe go back to Blackburn. Really? Don't think there's any... There's, there's nothing else here, people. There really is nothing else. Let me go on the Athletic and see if there's any general footballing things that's going on in the footballing world, folks. No, it's just transfers. And like I told you with the whole Leon thing, um, to go over the Zuma thing, Chelsea and West Ham reach agreement for Zuma, but move held up by personal terms, the Athletic understands. Um, apparently, West Ham are prepared, prepared to pay £25.8 which is the asking price. The sticking point is personal terms. Apparently, Zuma has said by sources to be seeking a significant salary increase from what he is earning at Chelsea, um, at Stamford Bridge, which is thought to be 125k a week. I would, to be fair. I'm leaving the European champions. If I'm, you know, I'm joining West Ham with respect to them, you know, what's the point? At 26 years of age, there's not going to be too many opportunities to sign a big deal. And I'd imagine if you're West Ham, you're trying to get him on a four-year deal, option of a fifth, maybe a five-year deal. If I'm, if I'm Zuma, you more want to try a free, but considering the money that's involved, you're not signing a three-year deal. You're, you're being tied down to your 30, which would still make you a free agent, in my opinion. You know, you're going to get a three-year deal option of a fourth, a four-year deal option of a fifth, a flat-out five-year contract. But, you know, you have to seek clarity. That would make him the highest-played player in the squad, people. And then, obviously, it flips everything because a byproduct that affects what happens when you're bringing in players and, obviously, renewing the deals of people you want. Obviously, he's probably been told he's allowed to go. He seems a, a good member of the team, but he's probably been told he's allowed to go. One Frenchman out, another one in, and Jules Conde. So, we'll have to see what happens in that regards. Obviously, the window, we've got a long way to go, probably like a week or so, you know. But a week, a day is a long time. An hour is a long time in football, much less a week. So, yeah, you've got a week to go. You know, what is it? Close on the 31st of August slash... Slash September the 1st. So, yeah, a week to go in deadline day. So, things need to get moving and get moving quickly. But in relation to this podcast, people, it's been fantastic. I thought, let me do this online thing. I apologise for any technical difficulties we had. I don't know what's going on today, but we'll move to rectify them. Obviously, on that note, though, like I said, please make sure you're commenting, you're subscribing, you're hitting the like button. You're here at 11.30am because we'll be going live again and where we focused on Arsenal and things. But it's been a lovely podcast, people. Stay safe. Hope you all having a good start to the week and you're ready to aggressively move that much closer to your goals, hopes, dreams, ambitions and aspirations. And yeah, man, one love for taking me in, people. DG.